You're listening to the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy, where we cover sales, investing, and entrepreneurship with an emphasis on real estate. Each podcast, Terrence and his guests will bring you informative and inspiring information within the real estate industry. We're on the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast with Terrence Murphy. Jamila Winsey is my guest today. She's an award-winning real estate broker and the co-owner of Remax Legacy Living and Remax First Class in Houston. They have 65 associates. Uh, she leads the largest Black-owned brokerage in the city of Houston. And um, she also was named one of the top 20 realtors under 40 by the Houston Association of Realtors, the Greater Houston Builders Association. And she's also in the Million Dollar Circle and uh, runs one of the top Remax Texas teams out there. Her companies have achieved 180 million in sales volume in, in 2019 and over 350 million since opening in 2016. She operates the number one Remax office in both League City and Richmond, and she's nearly closed 2,000 transactions. Wow. When she's not working, she enjoys spending time with her husband, Patrick, and her two sons. Let's welcome her to the show. I'll read a quote real quick. So it says, when you arise in the morning, think of what a precious privilege it is to be alive, to breathe, to think, to enjoy, to love, and then to make the day count. Steve Marabali. And heck, if we didn't learn that in 2020, shoot. We, okay. Like, <laughs> so, man. But I'm excited because I got a, a great friend. We got a lot in common. We've had a lot of time spent together talking back and forth about running a brokerage. And she really pushed me off the ledge to start my mortgage company. So I want to welcome Jamila Winsey to the show today. Hey, Terrence. Thanks for having me. Definitely very excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited for you. You got so many gems and so much wisdom and just an amazing background as a real estate entrepreneur. Because yes, everybody knows you as a broker owner of Remax, but you're doing so many amazing things in Houston and heck around the United States. So yeah, but let's dive into that. So tell me your story in two minutes, who you are, where you're from, like how did you get into real estate? What made you choose the residential industry? And then why did you, you know, just just walk me through that and lead me to where we're at today in 2021. It, it has been a lifetime, uh, so to speak. I believe that everything that I've done in my life has prepared me for, for where I'm, I am right now. But I'm originally uh, from Nigeria, actually born and raised. And um, my goal growing up was to be a medical doctor, just like every firstborn kid, or <laughs> Nigerian kid. You're either, you're either a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. You don't get any choices. <laughs> and um, <laughs> but luckily for me, I actually, I graduated high school a couple of years early to, to start my pre-medicine studies, got a job as a video jock, which was unorthodox for a Nigerian girl because you don't necessarily work in, at the age of 16, 17. But um, fast forward in college, there were a lot of um, political uprisings. And so my father decided that it was time for my sister and I to leave Nigeria. And just like the movie, coming to, come to America, literally, <laughs> but get on a plane go to America. Wow. <laughs> and so I was about 18 years old when that, that happened. And I have been um, literally on my own ever since. Uh, my parents' goal was were, were to help us with our education, but unfortunately, my father lost his job. And so we had two choices, come back home or stay. If you stay, you're on your own. So we chose to stay. The rest is history. Um, one thing I learned very quickly was that I was an entrepreneur by heart. And so my mother was an entrepreneur. My, my aunts were entrepreneurs. My um, aunt was the first female senator of Nigeria. Wow. And she was uh, she hustled all the way from being a esthetician to being the first um, democratically elected Black woman in the world, actually. And so I learned a lot from those women. So 
I just knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I started out with everything from selling cookies to multi-level marketing. And then I discovered real estate. My first goal with real estate was just to invest. I mean, I have, I was still working on my, on my degree. And so I have two degrees in information systems and marketing, but I knew I was going to go to school, get a job, but I was still going to build an entrepreneurial quote unquote empire, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But I discovered real estate at a very early age. I was about 20 when I discovered real estate. And I wanted to start investing. And that's how I really got into it. Got really good at that. So by the time I was 26, I had a ton of real estate investments. Um, I already had, I had a million dollar net worth by 26 and wow. got my license because my attorney made me to. So mm. I was told that I was practicing real estate without a license because I was putting deals together for investors. <laughs> so I didn't want to get in trouble. And so in getting my real estate license, I fell in love with the business. Uh, my first year in the business, I think I did about 300, uh, 350K in GCI unintentionally and mm-hmm. um, still bought some, you know, still started some more businesses even between then. And um, I just knew this was something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Primarily now I focus on commercial real estate, but right now we have a couple of brokerages with about 65 agents two locations. It is one of the largest African-American-owned brokerages in the Houston area. So we're really proud about that because we got here in less than three years. Um, wow. And so we're just, you know, putting our foot in front of us and, and just wanting to grow um, and build other ancillary businesses around it as well. So I think that's it in a nutshell. I think that took two minutes. I'm not sure. Hey, you set a record. <laughs> but that's who Jamila is. Very efficient. You impress me so much. And every time I walk away from spending time with you, I'm always encouraged. And inspired. Yeah, I'm just excited to keep having those conversations. And here, Terrence, I'm I'm always inspired by you. So I think that's we feed off of each other, which is awesome. Yeah, for sure. I want to go back because you you threw something out there like it it was a really big deal to be doing what you're doing as an entrepreneur from 16 to 19, and then to start investing in real estate as a young female entrepreneur on your own. Like, I don't want to skip over that. Like, there's a lot of inspiration in that, just that piece. There's so much more inspiration in your story, but I want to talk about that. So from 19 to 26, you built an investment portfolio, right? So walk me through your first deal as an investor. Yeah, no, um, it was, man, it's, it was crazy because the funny story is, you know, I was married at the time, my first husband, and um, he traveled a lot. He was in the music industry and I was just bored. And because um, I was always home by myself and I saw this infomercial Carlton Sheets. Carlton Sheets. Yeah, I mean, we're aging ourselves if we know who Carlton Sheets is, but that was my first real estate education. The whole he was the father of no money down um, real estate, and I, I tried it when we bought our first home. Our first home obviously was our was our first investment property, and so I, I basically I dug all the way in. And the second property I purchased was a duplex, and using the same kind of strategy, they worked then kind of works today still, but it was a little bit easier back then because, I mean, not as much in regulations, but thank God for the regulations. And um, I've always had this thought in my mind. Um, my mom, my mother raised me as a blank slate. There were really very little rules placed on, you know, outside of you have to be a doctor, but, <laughs> but you define everything. And so my yeah. reality has always been, why not versus well, what great. if I can and so once you kind of see something and the, an idea in your mind, I and mean, people look at it, this, an idea is, has to be the most powerful virus, no pun intended, in the world. Because mm-hmm. once an idea is placed in your head, it is contagious and it grows. And the more you feed it, the more it's going to grow. And all I wanted to do was buy my first investment property. And so with that duplex, I went in, 
negotiated, you know, X amount of money down. It was a small money, um, small money down from one of my jobs I had saved up. And I bought the first duplex in the next, um, the, the, the first unit, the next um, unit, um, bought the second unit. So I owned the whole thing. Moved all the way up to apartment complexes, same concept. And so failure was never really an option. I mean, but as a young person, I was still pretty unintentional about what I was doing. Most mm-hmm. of the times I would just attack stuff to see if I could do it. Yeah. And 26 properties later and a whole apartment complex with that, wow. um, I realized that I had already achieved my dream of not, of just, of not just being an investor, but being a millionaire on paper. And that was, that was um, eye-opening in a sense. And it also let me know that this was something that I really thrived on um, because I was also helping other people do the same thing. My coach for free and I just kind of just shared that same knowledge with my friends. And so I became their go-to. Yeah, because that's just naturally who you are. And that's naturally who I am. We're just givers by nature. Yeah. And as God grows our influence and we do more, we got to be careful with that because everybody's trying to get a piece of the puzzle. You you have to be very protective these days because a lot of it, you know, and a lot of people don't know, you you get a lot of people that flock to you. One of the things, and it's a lesson learned for me in life over time is now I'm, I'm a lot more guarded. I'm a lot more selfish with my time because- there was a lot of heartache in, in, in those processes to people who were in your lives for just what you can get from them or what they can get from you. Sorry. So. Yep. No, that's good. And so now you're, like you said, on paper net worth, you're a millionaire, you're in your mid twenties. Now you've built an investment portfolio, but you're, you, you've, you've realized you got a knack for this industry real quick. And then we're going to jump into the broker side. When you were building that portfolio, what was the ultimate goal? Was it cash flow? Was it passive income? Was it building an asset base? Like what led you to even investing after li- listening to the cartoon sheets? Yeah, it was um, four, re- four greenhouses, one red hotel. I was, <laughs> I was, I'm a huge Monopoly fan. Love and it. that was my goal. I wanted passive residual income. We got up to about 15000 a month before my ex and I separated until the point where he quit his job and was managing the properties full time. Uh, but yeah, it was the concept, a very simple idea. If I can get ten to fifteen thousand dollars in passive income, then we're good, and mm-hmm. that was the goal. And we and we achieved that in a very short period of time. Wow, I love it. Yeah, Monopoly is my favorite game. I can never yeah. get anybody to play <laughs> with me though. So, four greenhouses, one red hotel. Yeah, so you transition, you get your license, and now, like you said, you guys have the largest African American owned real estate brokerage in Houston, sixty five associates plus. And um, I know you were named in the top 20 realtors under 40. Yes. So let's, let's talk about that. So as you're building the brokerage, what made you want to build a brokerage? Like, why did you decide to go from an individual agent to a brokerage? Was it because you were already helping all these people naturally? That's a good question. You know, even through the real estate side and through being an independent agent, you know, I went through this period in my life because, you know, I got divorced and I literally lost everything. I gave everything to my ex and, and started over. And so it caused me wow. to start thinking, who am I and what am I doing? Right. I mean, I got to a point even through all those successes that I had to start over again, literally. I mean, I'm sitting in my house and there's no electricity and I can't afford to pay the bill. And mm-hmm. so that was a turning point for me because I, I had to start thinking about what I wanted to do with my life. I don't ever see myself retiring from what I do. I'm a, I'm a busybody. But I've always been successful, and which in anything that I touch, thank God, knocking on wood. 
God has always just basically blessed me with the ability to say, you know what? I'm not putting any fillers. I'm not putting any handcuffs. We're just going to go for it. I see it. That's where it is. Let's go. But I never asked myself the right questions until that moment. And so went back to corporate for a little while. I realized even at that moment that when I told my friends I was going back to corporate America, they were going, okay. I said, yeah, I just, you know, it's me and my son right now. I got to focus on that piece of it. Plus, I need to know what I'm doing. I still kept my 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 real estate job, and I went from just I'm, I went from being a business analyst to leading a global team as a director of IT in less than ten years because it was a kind of in between, wow. while still growing my real estate business. And I realized I could do both. You know, so I made six figures running my real estate income business, and I made high six figures in the corporate environment. But I knew I wasn't going to stay there because there comes a time in your life when the need to be to be um, safe, when the need to be successful overtakes your need to be safe. So I ended up leaving, and um, in that moment, too, in that decision process, I knew that it was time to really pay it forward. So I started putting plans five years before I left on getting our own brokerage together. And the whole goal was just to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been so successful. When I say we now, my husband and I, because at this point we started dating, got married, and he's been my rock ever since. We decided that it was time for us to start building a legacy. And the one thing that I do know and know very well more than anything else in my sleep is real estate and business. Mm. And so um, I knew that there were challenges that I had when I was a um, independent agent. I didn't have any support. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I paid for every education that I had to get my hands on. It was really expensive. And I just never found a broker or brokerage that could keep up with me, which is kind of a bad thing to say because I run very fast. I'm a, I mean, I run really quickly. So I'm always outgrowing my situations. And I, I so we, we sat, we talked about it and we said, you know, let's build a legacy. So real estate, um, Remax Legacy Living is really birthed from the idea of living it and leaving it. And I think that's the way our life is. We only get one, right? And so if you're not trying to build the smallest idea or the smallest inkling of some type of legacy for someone to remember you by, then what's the point? And yeah, what so- and then the crazy thing is that with real estate, there are so many real estate agents out there who sell the most expensive asset, but they don't even have a way to build a business for themselves. They're leaving paycheck to paycheck and they don't even have the simplest asset, which is a home. Because contrary to what a lot of people believe, the average realtor doesn't make that much money. No. You know? And so I wanted to set out to start teaching agents how to build businesses, which is really where I thrive on strategy and business. Don't just look at selling real estate. What are you going to have at the end of this? Are mm-hmm. you going to be that one walking around at the age of 95 trying to show a house? Are you going to be that one? You have five on your, on your computer watching your team work for you so you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. You yep. can do that because there's abundance in this business. And yeah. you just start seeing it and you just kind of have that mind shift to see that you can be in that BNI quadrant as a real estate agent. Well, guess what? That's where I need your mind to be focused on. So, yeah. and that's why we decided to build a brokerage is because we wanted to build entrepreneurs. We wanted to help um, real estate agents truly become entrepreneurs. Exactly. So, man, that's awesome. And your heart is my heart, which is why I named the podcast Real Estate Entrepreneur. When I looked out there and there was no podcast name that I was like, wow, what? right. Like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing you think is if you're a hustler and you're a really good agent, you're an entrepreneur. Think about realtors where you got to know CMAs, but then you also got to know marketing 
And then if you grow your team, you got to know how to hire, hold people accountable. You got to know HR. You got to know P&Ls. You got to know return on investments. And the list goes on. So yeah. you're really an entrepreneur. Yes, exactly. It's not just that one thing. It's, there's so much more to it. Yeah. And that's where at our brokerage, you know, at TM5, I really focused on telling my agents, like, there's certain quadrants that I'm trying to build them in. And my dream is, you know, everybody's like, oh, I want all my agents selling a million dollars or whatever, whatever. I'm like, no, I want every agent in the building at TM5 to not only own a home, but have at least one investment property. Absolutely. That's my 100%. dream. 100%. You know, and like I tell them all the time, and like you said earlier, if you're selling real estate all day and you don't own it, then we got to shift your focus. Yeah. And that's really the thought process. So when you started moving to the brokerage, you obviously have grown the brokerage. You you guys are doing, I think you did $180, $190 million in volume last year. Mm -hmm. What would you say are the top three things that's like really as a broker that you're doing for your agents to really grow them? You know, the biggest thing is, I mean, it's it's funny. I'll step back for a second. You know, when we first started this, I had no idea how to scale a brokerage. You know, we we decided we're going to start a brokerage. I mean, we had a brokerage, but it was just me and my husband and our our assistant and maybe a couple of agents who were just kind of like a small team office. Which is a lot of the mistakes a lot of successful team leaders make is, oh my gosh, I'm just going to go ahead and get this started. But I had no idea how to scale a brokerage. Thankfully, we have a franchise. But the good thing about having a franchise is that we have systems that we can tap into, but ultimately it's your business. And so that was the first challenge. And so we're trying to do everything, we're trying to do what everybody was doing. Oh, I can help you take your business to the next level or this, that, and the other. And we make all these promises from our heart because that's really what we want to do. And their reality sets in, the agents aren't producing. Oh, by the way, you got to pay all these bills, all five figures of bills that's due every four weeks. <laughs> and so I had to step back a second and really look at the lay of the land. And so when I'm looking at an agent, the biggest value that we have, I think, when I really think about it is the fact that Hey, we really care. It's just not, there's no if and or buts about that, which is very rare because the brokerage business is a high volume. It's a, it's a low volume, high margin market. You got to churn these agents in because you got to get the bills paid. But the one yeah. that still sits up, I sit up and think about my agents. Oh, how they doing? What's this, this, that? And I'm reaching out. So that's one part of it is the, the care and support. But the other piece of it is really thinking outside of the box. My conversations, my one-on-one with my agents is not the plain vanilla. You can, we, we can teach you how to write a contract. You can, you know how to sell real estate. We can teach you how to do that. But when you, when we're having a conversation, I'm really challenging you to think outside of the box. You know, this is one place to be, but how else can we repurpose it? You said you want to do video. Let's find 50 other ways to make sure that video counts and it reaches everybody. So I want to challenge you to start thinking that way. I want to start challenging you to be a business person. If you're one of my team leaders, I'm not just talking to you about who's on your team. I want to see your P&L. Are you saving money? Are you keeping money? Let's go ahead and take a look at that and just dive into it and cut or add or whatever it is. So those are really the conversations that we have. Those are the things that keep us really very different. It's not something that you can easily quantify and Mm -hmm. say, oh, this is a checkmark item that we bring to the table. Yeah, we bring all that to the table. But are you a business owner? If you want to be be a business owner, I'm interested in you. And so we can spar that way. And I think that's one of the unique things that we bring to the table. And so with that, obviously, I can't be that person for every agent in the office. So the leadership team is challenged to have the same mindset. 
Mm-hmm. So that way, if I'm not the one having a conversation with you, maybe it's Donna that's having a conversation with you. That conversation needs to be on that same wavelength. No, that's good. And I think the biggest thing is as as we're talking to our agents about broker value proposition, like you said, there's intangibles that you can't put into a split. What is your split? Like anytime I have agents call me and want to come over, the first thing that if they say, Hey, I want to know what your split is, I don't even want to meet with you. Yeah. I'm not interested. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Because there's things that we do that we know no other broker in town does, and you can't put a price on that. And that's what. Absolutely. And so the biggest thing I've always been challenging my leadership team is how do we keep growing our broker value proposition and how are we doing more than any other broker in town? Yeah. And then how do we grow our world big enough to where our agents can grow inside of our world? Exactly. And that's one thing, Terrence, and you do that very, very well, is you have defined ancillary income for your agents in your brokerage, which that's what we're, we're working towards. I mean, you do this, you do this very well. You have one of the most successful brokerages in Texas. And if actually I would, I would venture to say that you in the U S because I can see that in what you guys do and what you do. So that's why I'm always, I always like to tap into you because I learned so much. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Thank you. You know, the cool thing is like, I tell my agents, I'm so outside the box because I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background. I have no one in real estate in my family that I've mentored me. Like me and Erica are truly walking by faith. Yeah. And we're just grinding, studying. And like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a grind. So like our agents have 12 revenue streams at TM5. Amazing. And I try to explain to them that is not normal. And you no. need to talk about, <laughs> we need to talk about that offline. I need to go over yeah. this with you. Let's move forward. So now that you've grown the brokerage, you mentioned earlier ancillary income. One of the things I, I want to hit this real quick and then I want to jump into that. I try to explain like the thing I've learned is everybody's not meant to be a broker owner. It's almost like when you see top producers become a productivity coach and you're like, why didn't that work? They were a great agent because yeah. everybody can't coach just like everybody can't be a broker owner. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody from starting their own brokerage. Go for it. But just realize with anything, it's give or take. You're going to have to give something up to get more. And you, you know, Absolutely. and so. Let's talk about that. Like, how do you really like if you get that agent who's growing their business, how do you keep your world big enough that they want to stay with inside of your ecosystem? Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It is especially about the part that everybody can't be a broker owner. I don't think that my leadership has been challenged more in this business than ever. This is the most this I would say is the most challenging job I've ever had. And I've and it's and it's a job where a, your assets don't have to walk through the door to come back the next day. Yep. And two, that, you know, that is your asset. That's your business. And you have to encourage and mm-hmm. inspire people that don't necessarily have to listen to you. And so the very first part is, is living the example. Most of the agents that are in our business now, this we're going into, this is our fifth official year. Um, we really opened about three years ago because we lost two years with Harvey, but officially um, open as a Remax is, is our fifth official year. And every year is, is trying to, <laughs> to kind of figure out the new balance. And for us this year, because of where we are, we have several top producing agents, you know, agents making upwards of half a million a year. So they, they want different things. So the first things we're doing is we're defining the different groups within our office. What's more important to your business today? If you're um, less than making less than $100,000 a year, what you're looking for is training, support, and development, right? And the tools to help you gain um, leverage in the marketplace. So when you go out for that listing appointment, 
the brokerage's stats carry you to yep. be able to be confident to get that listing. And yep. then you have those group of people who they're making really good money. Let's just call it about 120, 150, but they're not making enough to go out and hire an assistant or a transaction coordinator, or they don't necessarily have that ecosystem where they can mastermind. And so mm-hmm. for those groups of people, they already have the basics down, but they need support. So we're providing transaction coordination services to them marketing services, you know, they need to get things designed from our graphics. We're teaching them branding to brand themselves and also use the support of the brokerage to get them to that level. And then we have those agents that are in the quarter of a a million dollar range that, you know, they got their systems, their tools, their teams, those sort of things. But then now they're looking for that next level. They are that next step of Maslow's theory of needs as it relates to business. Yeah. And so they're looking for investment opportunities. You know, can they be owners within the brokerage? That is yeah. something that we're actually thinking about offering to our agents today. Can they be mentors and make extra money, ancillary income from by mentoring those first, second year agents? So that's something we're offering as well, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, it's a strategic partner that's really important. And so to keep our world open, I always tell our agents, I'm a coach consultant. I'm a strategic partner. If you have a marketing idea or if you have a business idea or you want to go hit up some builders, let's get together. Let's put the plan together. Let's let's spar together and use my brain because there's a lot in it, right? Yeah. And so now you have some th- something or somebody to bounce something off of. I mean, right now, right now we're small enough to where we can do that. Yeah. And so that's where we are in this business because I hope that those those agents will eventually grow and become leaders within our within our ecosystem to where they, you know, I can now basically duplicate myself or even to a point where they have some type of ownership stakes and now that's helping them build their legacy as well because it's part of our growth plan. Um so Love that's it. kind of where we are right now. Yeah, and that's that ecosystem that I can still grow within your ecosystem. Yeah, no glass ceilings. Exactly. You know, Gary Keller challenged me two years ago when I was meeting with him one on one. And he said, dude, you and Erica have something very special. He's like, I have one hundred eighty thousand agents around the world and y'all are very unique and y'all have a value proposition that needs to be heard. Absolutely. Which was one of the first reasons I started thinking expansion. But he said, dude, just keep growing your ecosystem. He said, you're already a big thinker. Just keep doing that. Don't let anybody slow you down because, you know, you have those agents. Oh, I don't want growth. Oh, I don't want to. Why are you bringing on another agent? Like none of that mindset works for me. And it's like, no, like we got to keep going. Yeah. And you do. And honestly, you guys do. It's, It's very refreshing, to be honest with you, because you guys are an independent brokerage, but what you guys have done with y'all's brokerage is just so special. And it's, I mean, I know that your agents see it, they feel it. It's very, very special. And it's not anything that I see exists today, even with the big, big box brands. No, I appreciate that. But one of the questions I always get is what's the most surprising thing you wish you would have known, you know, when you became a realtor, like something that you like, you know, that you know now that you're like, I wish I knew that when I got my license. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, it's, it's kind of like everybody else. It's like, you, you may not have to prospect. <laughs> it's not, we know this, it's, it sells one-on-one, but the act of doing it is, is what a lot of realtors struggle with is the consistency of mm. doing what you need to do to make that income show up on a consistent basis. And yeah. so what was most, but, but that's not even what's the most surprising. Um, what's most surprising is also what I love most is that everything is different. Mm. Every deal is different. Every person is different. Every transaction, everything's different. And so you find yourself being a consistent problem solver. 
Mm-hmm. And so if you are not creative, it is almost impossible for you to succeed in this business. Wow. Right. And so yeah. the creativity, and what I mean by creative, I'm not saying that oh, you're an artist or anything like this. It's really being a consistent, um, being creative and out of the box thinker, especially today in today's real estate, where the whole business is being turned upside down. If you yeah. are not the agent of today, or you're still dwelling in the past, you're quickly working your way out of business. And so if you don't learn to pivot very quickly, get creative, think outside of the box, it's going to be so easy today, especially to be forgotten. And so um, that's what I found very surprising, but it's also what I love most is because it's, that's just my wheelhouse. I mean, um, I, I stay very, I, I, I'm consistently bored and I'm okay with that <laughs> because I need to, I mean, I mean, I get something, I'm bored with it. I want to change it. Um, it was a blessing and a curse for a while. And thankfully, I think in my age, I've learned to, to, to understand the pros and cons of, of making those decisions. So I weigh them now versus I would just be that person to just jump and go, okay, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to get down there. But. <laughs> but that's an entrepreneur. That's a real estate entrepreneur. Yeah. And that's one of the quotes that I always say to my staff. I actually got it put on a little index card and I put it on everybody's desk. It says, every problem has a solution. You just have to be creative enough to find it. Absolutely. So I'm always pushing them to say, how can we be creative? Because in this industry, like I said, as soon as you build a a policy or procedure for a situation or a scenario, then that next deal, the scenario is different. It's done. Yeah, exactly. So you're continually having to evolve. And the thing I'm always pushing them on is if you don't evolve in this industry, you will die. Like it's not, you you, you won't make it. 100%. 100%. I tell my agents all the time, you got to learn to fail fast. You know, we have agents that come in and they're like, well, I don't know if I should, or I can't do this deal. Like, listen, go out there. You're the only one who knows you don't know what you're doing. Yep. Fail fast. So you'll identify the way you failed, fix it and keep moving forward. But one thing that's guaranteed is if you don't do anything, you're not going to get anywhere. So yeah, that's good. So what's one real estate concept that you wanted to share with our audience today? Like what's, what's that one thing that you want to talk about and get in depth with us? With? Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I'm going to pick a simple one because it's a consistent question that I get from not just my agents, but also my coaching clients and um, just DMs that come across from other agents around the country. And it's, okay, how do I generate leads and how do I convert leads and this, that, and the other? And I always tell folks, it's, it's really not about the leads. Leads are everywhere. Everywhere you turn around, you're going to find a real estate lead. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing is the consistency um, is really the strategy, the lead follow-up strategy so you can convert them. So I'll just dive that and dive into that a little bit. It's pretty basic. It's really nothing that's like rocket science, but a lot of folks always seem to forget it uh, mm-hmm. because it's a consistent conversation. But when you have leads that come through, you hear the words, oh, it's not working. That, that source isn't working. But yeah, I got leads, but it's not working. I called them for two days and you know they didn't call me back. Yeah. And so I always tell folks, the goal when you get a lead is not to determine or it's not, it's not to sell them a house. When, you, when somebody calls you and they says, your goal is not to sell them a house. It's not even to make an appointment. Your one, number one goal is to determine timing. Mm. Once you determine the buyer or the seller's timing, then the strategy starts because now you know exactly how to follow up with them. And so what I mean by that is if, some, if I call you, Terrence, and maybe you, you, you filled out a lead form and I got your information and I call you, I get you on the phone after 10 days of trying and you say, hey, listen, you know, we're not ready to buy anything within the next 60 days. We're just getting started. A lot of real estate agents will just take that lead and throw it away. They're not ready. 
versus, oh, they're ready to buy something within 60 days. Now I know how to follow up with them. Yeah. And so obviously I want to escalate that conversation to see if I can meet with you and have a buy a consult with you. But at the very least, now I know that my cadence of follow up with you is at least twice a month. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not having to call you every day to ask you if you're ready to buy a house, but it still keeps me top of mind. So um, the general, the, the general, general consensus, 30 days, you call them once a week or get in touch with them once a week, 60 days, twice a month, 90 days and up once a month. That's the mm-hmm. case. So do you just, all you do when you're doing your lead follow-up and prospecting in your calendar, you know, your A leads, B leads, C leads, your A leads at 30, B leads at 60, C at 90 and, uh, 90 and above. Just put that in your calendar. Today, I'm following up with my A leads. And that way, when that person learns to talk, talks to you, it doesn't feel like you're being like you're bothering them because that was the other thing. I feel like I'm bothering them every time I'm calling them, but it helps you strategically follow up with your leads. And it also helps you stay top of mind. And lastly, everyone in your database, lead, past clients, SOI, they need to get something from you at least once a week. We're competing with so much information in general with the world. I mean, everybody's trying to sell us stuff. The last thing you want to do as a real estate agent is drown yourself by sending them something once a month. That doesn't work anymore. You want to send them something once a week. They need to see your face, see your name sometime once a week, which is why you have to get a CRM, but that's a different story. So <laughs> um, we're starting out the new year, 2021. This is going to be a crazy year in real estate. Folks are projecting even better than it was. If you're not doing these things right now to build your pipeline, then start doing them um, yeah. because come March, you know, um, these these people that you've talked to will be ready to do something. So hopefully that no. helps somebody out there today. No, that's great. I love that. Like you said, the cadence. That's there's wisdom just in that one word. We always say determine their motivation, but like you said, determine their timing. Because they can be all motivated, but if they're not even pre-approved and started that yeah. process yet, motivation has nothing to do with it if the timing's not right. Exactly. So no, that's really good. So I have a question agents always ask me. So if I'm supposed to hit them once a week, what do I say? And it's like, do I write a blog? Do I send them a property? What do you encourage agents out there that are listening? You know, what do you talk to them about putting in front of their of their SOI? Yeah, no, that's a that's a really, really good question. So we're no longer in the real estate business, right? We're in the experience business. And so it's an item of value. You want your leads, your clients, the sphere of influence to experience who you are. Because if they don't like you, they're not gonna buy you. Yeah. And so calling them, a, a simple conversation could be, hey, Terrence, hey, how you doing? So, I, mean, I know we spoke last week. Hey, listen, just want to check in on you guys. I also wanted to make sure I wasn't dropping the ball and communicating with you. Did you get a chance to take a look at those properties I sent you? Now, hey, I know no rush. We still got time, but just want you to know that I'm here for you. Oh, by the way, is there anything that you need? Any questions at all? Listen, I'm your girl. If you've got questions about those interest rates, I got you. If you need a plumber, I got you. You want to lead from a place of value. And that's a very simple, casual conversation. Um, when it comes to video, um, video is the number one way to yep. get attention and keep it. I was listening to John Chaplack the other day, and he said something that stuck with me. He said that we watch video, we watch TV, we binge and everything. I'm literally like so cooked on Ghost right now. Like I'm going <laughs> back to watch all the episodes of Power and then Ghost again. Because <laughs> You know, Mike Rainey is like my, is a huge celebrity. Young, yeah. young guy is like, he's got my heart. Why? Because I see him every week. 
I see him every week doing his thing. So we see those big celebrities and we're fans of them, right? You don't have to be a fan. You don't have to be Michael Rainey. You don't have to be Amari Hardwick or whatever to be for, for somebody to be a fan. The ability for someone to see you here, here, and here, you automatically create a fan base of one, two, three, four. And that's the way you want to think about it when it comes to being top of mind. And that's why video is important because there's something very powerful when someone sees your head bobbing on a screen. <laughs> you get it. They, they, get, they get it. They see it. They'll listen to it. And so as you're creating the small fan base, you're hearing little words like, oh, I see you everywhere. I see you everywhere. I see you everywhere. So video is one way to do it. And so shoot a quick video. You know, hey, Terrence was just thinking about you, just wanted to let you know that um, I was in your area um, and I, you came to mind, yada, yada, yada. Boom, send. That's it. It doesn't have to be anything harder than that. Don't yeah. overthink it. Don't always ask to sell real estate. Don't always ask them for a referral. Trust me. When somebody's in, when, when, there's, when there's a real estate input opportunity in front of them, you're going to be the one they think of. And that's why yeah. building a pipeline is so important. A lot of agents will have 20 to 30 people on their pipeline. Well, should get to you for 150 because when you get there, you're always going to have trees to shake and yep. people to talk to. No, that's good. Yeah, because like you're out of value, right? And then building that experience and and also, like you said, especially what I'm learning with high-end clients is the lifestyle, like really building that lifestyle. Yeah. And especially when you get those listings that, especially like my ranch listings, like I had a listing of a thousand and sixty-two acres. Well, just wow. doing a doing a photo of a thousand and sixty-two acres <laughs> is a waste of time. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, this is a five million dollar ranch, <laughs> and a five million dollar buyer who can pay for a thousand sixty-two acre ranch wants a different experience. Absolutely. So I pay, I paid to get an airplane to fly over it. And I did drone shots and videos and stuff, getting the deer running around and, and shooting where it was at on the brasses. And, and I sold it. So I brought yeah, the buyer. You're selling the lifestyle. You're, you're, you're helping them to see and experience being there. And that's where that creativity comes into play. That's important. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, no, you're absolutely, that was a great idea to using a plane versus just a drone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those big properties, you have to. Yeah. Because the thing is, I got, and what I realized, you know, because I'm, I'm from East Texas, I'm a country boy, and my wife's from Sugarland, so she's from Houston. Nice. I don't know how we merged. I don't know how, but we made, we, we, we made it, we made it work. But, um, you know, a lot of guys are shooting, they shoot out of these helicopters, they hunt, and they think it's a sport. No, they're just trying to get these hogs off their ranch. So <laughs> what I realized, somebody who's going to look at a thousand six trigger ranch probably is not going to want hogs. And so just showing that perspective, like, so when they see that, that makes sense to them. So yeah, cool. I got a couple more thoughts. So what's the next, like, what do you see as the biggest opportunity in the next 12 to 24 months in the real estate industry? Like, what do you see? And you kind of led to it a little, a little earlier, but what do you, what do you think that is? You know what? I think that we're getting into us. I would, I, I, and, and I'm really excited about it. I, a lot of folks probably aren't, but I'm excited at the fact that you know, there's been a lot of attack on the real estate industry just in general. You know, all the lawsuits and you know, I buyers and people thinking you can just buy a house buy from a uh, from a computer, and which is again, all those things are happening. Fine. I mean, I see yeah. those things as tools in my tool chest to pull out. I think we're getting into a situation where, as a real estate professional, even a bro, I guess I'll start with a real estate professional, and I'll go on the broker side too because I also coach brokers. Mm -hmm. You have to be a subject matter expert. I think we're getting into a situation where real estate's kind of like going into that whole corporate America feel where 
people know that they have to have specialists on their team in order to buy real estate. It's like you mentioned the, the farm and ranches. I wouldn't sell one because I don't, I'm not good at that. I know I'll be calling you and we'll both show up in a suit or whatever it is and we'll attack that problem and get that done. And boom, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're golden. Yeah. But you have to be a subject matter expert. You just can't be that real estate agent that's doing everything. You can't be a general practitioner anymore um, because we're, because the industry is changing. We're going to have new situations that's coming up. We're going to have special situations that's coming up. It's going to require expertise. Yeah. And so I think that what real estate agents need to be pressing towards is be a subject matter expert, learn the game, know your craft, show up as a professional, be that person that solves problems. Um, and so that's, that's a great place to be. I think we're going to see more teams come up. Obviously they're there now, but we're going to see a lot more teams, which run as an enterprise and the business itself is it's been treated like a business versus a side hustle. And yeah. And if you're side hustling as a real estate agent, it's going to be almost impossible for you to do that or even find a broker who wants to work with you. It's going to be Which tough. To the brokerage side, um, I think that brokers are being squeezed on a normal and everyday basis to reduce commissions and this, that, and the other. Well, guess what? Brokers are now going to start looking at their business as enterprise business. And then they only want to bring in the people that's going to feed the bottom line without all the ex- excess, you know? And so, I we we front when we we clean we pretty much try to to level out the number of agents we have because we're really interested in people who want to be in this business full time. It doesn't mean we won't take the part timers, but I'm very very particular about that. Um, so I I am ultimately I see our business moving from you know the total pole of oh next to shoe salesman and lawyer you know, but people mm-hmm. that are actually needed in a transaction real estate. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, it's something I've always said coming to College Station, you know, it's a small college town. And I felt like realtors when I first moved back here after I retired from the NFL, people didn't really take them serious at times. And but I had traveled and I saw how like, you know, they weren't signing by reps here. People yeah. were just showing property. And I'm like, no, we're no different than a CPA, a financial advisor. We are a professional. We just need to start acting like that and setting our business up that way, because I always tell my agents pack up right now, jump in your car and just show up at a doctor's office. Are they going to just let you <laughs> right, walk back there exactly. and see the doctor? No, they're going to say, here's a clipboard. Do you have an appointment? And I'm always telling my agency, you set your business up like a practice yeah, and make it have systems, have processes and grow. Because when you're early in the industry and you're doing 10 deals a year, 15 deals, you can put the signs out. You can take the photos. You can do all that. But once you start scaling, you got to learn how to leverage like the idea that you and I've talked about, which having that TC team, because agents don't want to spend the money. They don't want to make that jump and having that TC team where they don't have to get an office space. They don't have to pay payroll taxes and they can get an assistant to help them leverage. is really the next step to the puzzle. And then obviously building a team after that. So absolutely. One hundred percent. No, that's really good. So the book you recommended and you suggested for our listeners is strategy. Why is that? Because, you know, first, first of all, that is a great book. Um, I think that we're getting into a world in our business where um, strategic thinking is more important than anything else, um, especially when you're looking to scale. Um, yeah. My number one word for the next five years is scale, because that's exactly what we want to do in our business. And so um, when you, I love the book because it, it literally goes into things like The Art of War, which is, I think, the, big, the greatest strategy, strategic book in the world by Sun Tzu. Uh, Sun Tzu. 
it goes into those um, concepts and it actually breaks down where the generals were thinking when they made those decisions. Things like patience, things like really thinking about the things that you want to do in your business and actually laying down the plans. And it's almost like playing chess. So I love that book because when you really think about getting to a point in your business as a team leader or as a broker, you can't just throw stuff at anything anymore. You know, yeah, something will stick, but the more you throw stuff, the more there's waste and um, there's nothing to measure. And so my big, my favorite part of that book is really measuring the wins, picking my battles. I'm always going to have several things in front of me that I have to attack, but I'm only focused on the things that I'm measuring. And some of this, most actually a lot of this, Terrence, I also got from you too, because um, I learned from you um, about the scorecard and how to really focus on the things um, that are important in our business and really measuring them. And as we know, that which is measured will grow. And so anything that I can't measure, anything you can't quantify for me, I I take a pause on it to really think about it. And so that book really helps me with really thinking about who's in front of me, what's what's the most important thing to them, whereas the weakness was the strength. So that whenever I'm actually negotiating a deal, I'm talking to an agent, I'm focused on those things because if you can't attack the most important thing to someone in a transaction, in a negotiation, in a conversation, you're not talking to them at all. You're talking at them. Wow. That's good. That's good. So to close, any final thoughts that you want to talk about or anything you want to leave our listeners with? You know what? I This has been great. This is awesome because I usually talk very fast and I appreciate you for letting me actually use my the regular my regular voice cadence because these things take so much time sometimes and you, my brain works like a freaking treadmill sometimes. But so, yeah. A, I appreciate you for, for that. And then honestly, I think I've, I've left everything at the table. I'm just going to say 2021, 2020 was a crazy year for obviously the whole world. I'm looking forward to what 2021 is going to bring for us. If you're a new agent out there or a new broker or anything like that, I will encourage you, if you're just getting started, get as obsessed with the basics as possible. The Mm -hmm. basics will get you to your first milestone and then you evolve from there. But if you're also in the Houston area, we're definitely looking to bring on some rock stars. So um, definitely look me up. Um, We're hiring. (laughs) Yeah. And how can people find you? So let's leave that on here. Like if if I want to get in touch with Jamila, how do I find you? The easiest thing is just to Google me, Jamila Winsey, J-E-M-I-L-A-W-I-N-S-E-Y, or at my Instagram, it's at Jamila Lindsay. Those are the quickest ways to get a hold of me. Text me also my cell phone number is 713-551-1842. And uh, our brokerage name is Remax Legacy Living, Remax yep. First Class, and our mortgage company is Model Mortgage Prestige. Model Mortgage Prestige is, and then Remax Living, and what was the other one? Uh, Remax Legacy Living and Remax First Class. Um, we're located in Richmond and Leak City. Sweet. Thank you so much, Jamila. So proud of you. Thank you for your friendship. Hopefully me and Erica can get down and have dinner with you and your husband soon. So, Oh man, we're looking forward to it. Thank you so much. So proud of what you're doing. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Proud of you too. Bye. I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Real Estate Entrepreneur with Terrence Murphy. Please subscribe on whichever platform you are listening and consider leaving a five-star review as that will help us gain traction and continue to bring you knowledge in the real estate industry. For more content, head over to TerrenceMurphy.com.